All right, my guest today on the A-Game Podcast is my longtime friend, longtime trading partner, and inventor of the calf guard, Nabi Barakat. He is a former professional fighter. He is a stand-up guy. He's got great jiu-jitsu. Um, he's been grinding in the background during COVID while people are uh, sitting around watching Tiger King. He came up with uh, the calf guard, and it's getting a lot of notoriety. It's getting a lot of press, a lot of free press, especially with all the stuff going on lately with the Conor McGregor fight and even uh, you know the Charles Oliveira and Michael Chandler opened up with the calf kick. Oh, the whole Dustin Poirier thing. It's been featured on Joe Rogan. He's got a bunch of people that are that are following him. And uh, it's, it's one of those things, man. I love this story because it's the kind of thing where everybody's going to look back and go, well, I, I thought of that, and but you didn't do anything with it. And I love the whole principle of what he did. And, and he found something that's practical that everybody needs that a lot of people have thought of, but he took action on it and he followed through with it and he worked through the problems on it. And uh, it's just a great story of, uh, of success and just overcoming business and business obstacles and taking something that's an idea, making it a reality and fighting through and making the best of a bad situation and, you know, working through some tough spots to get on top. And I think that that's why I love talking to guys that are martial artists or fighters or jujitsu guys that get into business because that same tenacity and that same take no prisoners attitude and work yourself out of bad spots and take your lumps and keep on going, it transfers over to business perfectly. And Nabi's whole story here is perfect with that. So uh, again, been a good friend of mine for a long time. I'm really excited to see that he pulled the trigger on this. He followed through with this and it's getting such amazing attention being featured on Joe Rogan is, is priceless and he's getting free press. He's not spending any money on it. So I love the business lessons here too, for if you fulfill the, the need for something and you get it in front of the right people, you don't necessarily need to pay for all this advertising. Word of mouth will spread and it'll catch on. So there's a lot of really cool lessons here for business, even if you're not into martial arts or jujitsu or Joe Rogan. Um, really great fun lessons that we talk about on this that can help you apply to any business, whether it's real estate or running a gym or just chasing your dream or trying to be a successful entrepreneur, which is what this whole show epitomizes. So it was awesome to catch up with them. Can't wait to get back and hang out. I want to wish a happy birthday to Mr. Ray Longo. It is his birthday today. So happy birthday, Ray. Been a long time uh, friend, coach, mentor, just awesome guy. I mean, obviously everybody knows Ray Longo now. Um, and I'm, uh, I'm very happy to see all these people that have been really cool and really nice to me for years and years, um, get the respect and the notoriety and the success that they deserve, like Nabi and Matt Sarah and Ray Longo. And a lot of my friends in real estate that are doing really well right now. So just love it. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you for new for coming on. Check out the show notes for all the ways to connect with Calfguard um, on Instagram and on his website. Have an awesome day. Happy birthday, Ray Longo. A game podcast. Welcome to the A-Game Podcast with Nick LaMagna, digging into the minds and experiences of some of today's brightest entrepreneurs in real estate and business, along with Hollywood stars, UFC fighters, and your favorite rock bands, people that have figured out how to overcome obstacles, take chances, live boldly, and no matter what they do, they always bring their A-Game.
And my guest today on the A-Game Podcast is a former professional MMA fighter who has been in the cage with some of the best fighters in the world. He is a full-time MMA and Muay Thai trainer. He is the inventor of the calf guard, which we are going to dig deep into, which you have probably seen all over social media at this point. Longtime friend, longtime training partner. Thank you for being on the A-Game Podcast. Welcome, Nabi Barakat. Yes, sir, Nikki. Thanks for having me, man. Good seeing you. Good to see you again, man. Dude, you're always in shape. Always. Stay in shape, bro. Coach in shape. Nice, dude. Yeah, nice. keep up with these young guys now, you know? <laughs> I love it. Yeah, so we started talking a little bit before we started recording, and uh, I, there's there's so many different things that I always want to go in. Like, most of these things we could probably just do an hour straight on. Just We could probably just talk about Dave Ferrante for an hour if we want. Right. <laughs> right, right, right. But give people all day, like, like, uh, a quick 30,000-foot view of kind of like who you are, and then we'll start to dig into some of the other things and, and get, get a little more detail. Sure. Yeah, so my name is the B Barricat. Uh former professional mixed martial artist, Muay Thai fighter, and I've been coaching and training uh, people professionally for the last decade. And uh, it was over this past quarantine that I uh, came up with CAFGAR. I love it, man. CAFGAR, the, the timing on that with the McGregor fight and all Amazing. this stuff, I mean, you, you couldn't have written that marketing piece better. I mean, it was just... <laughs> I saw that at first. I was like, is that real? Like, I, I, I at first thought you made it as a marketing thing, like with the Rogan clips and stuff. And I was like, oh, right, right. God. No, it was for real. It just worked, out. It just worked <laughs> out perfect. But I'm not surprised that you came up with something for kicks because you've been, as long as I've trained with you, you've always been known as somebody that had really devastating kicks. Like, I always hated kickboxing with you because my legs always got beat to shit you know so, and, and i know like when guys would come down there was multiple times that there was really good fighters that i won't name that people would know that were like i'll spar with you but you're not allowed to kick me we're only doing hands so was, you remember uh, that not surprising at all but um talk a little bit about the the calf guard especially because i want to i want to make sure we dig into the deep into this and one of the things you said that i think is, is so on point i was listening to mark cuban and he was on somebody else's podcast and they were there. It was right when COVID was kind of fresh and things were getting shut down. Okay. And uh, Tiger King was huge. All anybody right, right, was right. talking about Tiger King, Tiger King, Tiger King. I still haven't seen it, but Mark Cuban was like, Hey, you know what? He's like, it's going to become a common theme for job interviews three years from now, five years from now, 10 years from now. Like the number one question that people are going to be asked is what did you do during the lockdown? And this is when people thought it was like going to be two months. Right. And he's like, if your answer is I watched Tiger King, Good luck. He's like, you know, right. he's like, right, right. Are taking this time and they're literally reinventing themselves and they're learning languages and they're learning new skills. And the way you just threw out, like, dude, I use the lockdown to come up with the idea of calf guard. And that's going to be something that like is going to catapult it. I, I think that that just says a lot about you and the way you are, not only as an athlete, but obviously as an entrepreneur. So, you know, talk a little bit, obviously, about how COVID first affected you and your business. And like we were saying, everybody was scared and didn't really know what to do. But I'd love to hear how that kind of took shape from a negative into a positive. Yeah, well, you know, when, when COVID started, obviously the gyms were shut down and uh, people were scared. And so, you know, I wasn't seeing anybody training wise. And then, you know, we started getting a little more comfortable and I got these six foot noodles and we were doing six foot training. It was just, it was, it was crazy. But <laughs> I had a lot of downtime because most people were scared. I was even scared and, and we were just staying away. So I was sitting around and uh, this is probably, I'm probably going back to July. I was, I was obviously, you know, locked down, sitting around, and I was online, and I saw uh, Trevor Whitman had uh, came out with, it's called Elite Leg Armor. It's a shin guard with a knee pad attachment, right? And I remember years ago, like, you know, sparring, once in a while, we would, we would implement knees, 
but you'd have to have your knee pads and the la- you know you got shin guards, headgear, gloves, mouthpiece, cup. The last thing you remember is your freaking knee pads, right? So, so I, I thought about that years ago. Like, oh, how about they just attach a, a knee pad to a shin guard? You know, and it was an idea, just like a lot of other ideas, but I never implemented it, never did anything with it. And uh, when I saw that, that was just like, just a little motivation and fire that I needed, you know. And then calf guard just clicked, man, you know. And uh, I mean, obviously, the, the Connor fight catapulted that, but we've been seeing it probably for at least a year before that, that it was definitely a big game changer, you know. And the Connor fight just made calf kick pop culture. You know, it went from people that didn't even know what a low kick was to everybody knowing about calf kicks, right? So, uh, and it just it just seemed like a no-brainer, man. And I was like, all right, well, we need a calf guard, right? So I literally took a shin guard, ripped it apart, took the front off. I'll show you the first, the first piece that I came up with. This is just the front of an old shin guard that I took off, put some Velcro on the back, attached to the back of the calf guard and I was like okay uh, the back of the shin guard and I was like all right here we go you know and that was just the concept obviously it wasn't functional this thing was like digging into my into my hamstring and I was like we could just tweak it and make it right you know so I went from that and I'm you know I'm not a handy guy or nothing like I never made nothing <laughs> in my life so I went to Michael's art store I got this modeling foam I, I wrapped it to my calf I I molded it I went to a shoemaker with vinyl I had him wrap it put Velcro on it, put Velcro on a shin guard and just slapped it on. I'm like, all right. So it wasn't, it wasn't that good because it wasn't thick enough. And the calf is so sensitive that you need some real padding on that to really to absorb those kicks, you know? So, but it was just the concept that, that worked. And I, I just had a vision that it was going to be something, you know? So when I came up with that in July, I, uh, I booked a trip in August to go out and see Trevor Whitman. And I had met him back in 2017 when I was coaching Kelleher at, uh, at Kelleher's debut. He was coaching, he was cornering Matthew Lopez, that fight. And uh, after Brian won his fight, I sent Trevor a pair of Brian's uh, UFC gloves to get a wallet made. Oh, cool. If you ever saw that. Yeah. <laughs> so that was, my, that was my connection to Trevor. So when I came up with this, I shot him an email and he responded and we set up a meeting. We flew out to Colorado with my boy Hoyser Velasquez, who I'm training right now. Really talented amateur who's coming up right now. And uh, we trained out with Dwayne. I had a meeting with Trevor. I, uh, I, you know, I showed him what I had. He was interested, but he also had the, the Habib fight coming up. He was busy with that. He's got his company, Onyx, with the gloves, and he was backed up with that. So it wasn't, it wasn't something that he was jumping on, you know? And I just felt the timing, uh, you know, the, the timing was really essential to, to get it done and do it now. So I wasn't going to wait. And at that point, I decided to, to do it myself. So uh, I found uh, a manufacturer out here that I know Gary from 20 years has been in the business. He actually partnered up with a manufacturer in Pakistan. And uh, my, my friend, Joe Fama helped me design the, uh, the, the calf guard the way I wanted it. We put it on, we put it on paper, brought it to them, you know, a couple of prototypes later, we got it down and uh, we got it done, you know? Nice, man. So there's, there's about five different things I want to pick yeah, out yeah. That, that are awesome. One of them, um, for people who don't know, Trevor Whitman is known as one of like the the best minds in, in kickboxing, and he cornered you were saying that Justin Gaethje when he when he fought uh, Tony Ferguson, and right. know, he, he comes in a lot of the time. And I wasn't big on him initially, and then they started bringing him in for those like little segments in between rounds. And the commentary, yeah, the guy's a genius. Great, man. great, genius. You know? 
Yeah. So that that's a great guy. So um, I love the way that you connected with him. But it, it is interesting because from the entrepreneur's point, there's so many, like my buddy, Mark Evans, he always tells people like, if you have an idea, you have to start doing something with it. But everybody gets one and goes, I'm sure somebody else already thought of that. Maybe they did, but they didn't do anything with it, which is like exactly the difference between like, there's a thousand people now that probably saw that and went, oh, well, I thought of that you did, but you didn't do anything about it. And that, that really exactly right. a bit of like, of course, I've had a lot of ideas, but if you're not doing nothing with those ideas, they're, they're nothing. Yeah, so everybody's yeah, exactly. got an idea. And CapCard seems like an idea that somebody would already came up with. And I easily could have said, oh, I'm sure that's out there and, and, and walked away from it, you know? So the first thing I did to protect it was, was get a patent. You know, my friend Dave, uh, Dave Tan, David Tan, uh, as soon as I brought it up to him, the guy's a genius. He works with AI. He's got an AI company. He's making fucking robots, you know? So if he thought it was brilliant, <laughs> I'm like, oh, it's got to be something. So the first thing we did was get, get a patent attorney. I got a U.S. patent pending right now. And then from there, I, I set up the meeting with Trevor, went from there to, to, uh, to, to Colorado. And Colorado came back, you know, and then just kept the ball rolling at the manufacturer. You know, after a few prototypes, we got it down. And uh, the Connor fight came right on time because we had already had this thing set. I mean, we, we, we had the final model made in November. And uh, we just had some manufacturing issues with shipping and COVID. And it was, it was just a nightmare. You know, so I'm waiting. And I already had released the, I, I already put out that Instagram page with the product, but I was still working with a prototype. We didn't even have a finished product. And we already had sales coming in like internationally. Not that, you know, we, nice. we sold that many, but we had inquiries all over the world. And, you know, I had like how many orders, whatever, but we didn't have any inventory. And after that counter fight, we started getting calls from all over the place. And I didn't even have any. <laughs> so the counter fight happened was like January 28th. We finally got our first shipment like a couple weeks later and the orders came, went out on time and it just worked out. Like timing was perfect. And then I think the if not the week before, it was like real close that Sanhagen was on the Joe Rogan podcast, literally like breaking down the calf guard. Right, right, right. So that was after. So thank, thank God, it was, that was after the Connor fight. So I think that was like around the style bender fight. It was around okay. that time. I think it was, it was only a month ago, March, maybe 8th. So when I started the page in December, Rogan started following my page. I had like 80 followers. But I, I was tagging people in it, and I, you know, hopefully they see it. You know, maybe they don't. Maybe they do. Maybe they don't. And Rogan happened to see it, and I, I literally woke up in the middle of the night. I'll check my Instagram. Joe Rogan is following you. Joe Rogan <laughs> likes your likes your post. I'm like, what? So I had to check the page to see if it was really. It was like a fake, you know, a fake account. Yeah, yeah. So it was Joe Rogan. I jumped off the couch and started shadow boxing. I'm like, yeah, we got it, you know. And then. Uh, so I knew that we had some eyes on it and we had some big follows from there, but it was, it's, it still has 500 followers. You know, not everybody's really caught on yet, but a lot of the names that matter have caught on. And uh, you know, that's, that's what really counts. And then once, once some of these big names start using it, I think that's when it'll uh, really catch momentum and, and really pick up, you know? Yeah. I mean, again, it's almost like a Cinderella story with the timing of it. I think it's awesome. Like you, who doesn't want to be on, on Rogan? I mean, he literally says like everywhere he goes, He's got people writing to him and trying to get in, in touch with him because they think if they could just get their their brand or their name or their thing on his show, that's what they'll need to take off, dude. And you didn't need, like, somebody else did it for you. Like, that's right, how you right. a great idea. Like, that's Unbelievable, awesome. man. Like, there's no better there's no better way to elevate you than to have somebody else do it so it's not even you talking about it. Like, right. I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe you cut Sanhagen a, a percentage at some point. <laughs> you know, right, right. I mean, we literally, I mean, 
we haven't spent a penny on advertising. I mean, I spent most of my money on this patent and manufacturing and, and getting things done, but we haven't spent a penny on advertising because we got the Rogan show. And then if you saw Eric, uh, Eric Nixick, who was training Nanganu, yeah, for that yeah. fight, he was wearing it in, in the countdown. So we've been getting like great exposure with, without spending a penny in advertising. So really Dude. been blessed, man. It's all, it's amazing. What does that say for durability when a guy's taking Francis Ngannou's kicks to his calf and walking through them, you know? <laughs> right, exactly. You know, it's funny because on the Rogan podcast with Sanhagen, I actually, I cut that part out of my post, but uh, Rogan said something like, well, good luck when a guy like Francis kicks you with that thing on. And then a few weeks later, you got Francis using calf guard. So, I mean, it, it couldn't have worked out better, man. It's crazy. Nice. So when you were working through the, the prototypes and the pros and cons of it, were you wearing it more sparring or were you wearing it more holding mitts and having people kick you? Cause I imagine you're going to know pretty quick after you take a couple of shots of like, all right, let's not do this anymore today. Right. Exactly. So, you know, um, my, my vision for the future is, is just to make it part of your protective gear for fighters, you know, martial arts practitioners, not, you know, outside of coaching, right. Because it's literally the only piece of your body that's not protected. You have your shin guards, you have your gloves, you have your headgear, no calf guard. And as a coach, you have your belly pad, you have your chest guard, you have, you know, you have your mitts representing the head, you have your thigh pad, you have shin guards, again, no calf guard. So it was literally the only thing not covered. And, you know, everybody's going after that calf now and yeah. you try to train the calf kick. And I've seen a million different ways of, of guys trying to do it with either turning shin guard sideways, literally seen guys duct taping giant tie pads to their leg like nothing really practical has been done you know and this was just it just clicked and that was it you know nice nice did, did you have a, a a few sore legs along the way of developing this oh 100 yeah i mean like when, when i first started i'll show you the first i show you that first model but then we we got into this and this is just super basic and it was it's only about an inch, three quarters of an inch so i was wearing this taking the kicks on my guy this ain't cutting it you know so from there, we went on to this model, which was a little better and a little thicker, but still not, not thick enough. You know, it's probably uh, an inch and three quarters. So what I did was add the extra, extra piece right here. So another two and a half inches of foam on top of that. So now you got three and three quarter inch padding. And then make it a little better we added the target nice a little bit of holes to breathe so it doesn't tear i mean uh some some little modification but we finally got it right you know nice so man. this is so this is the coach's model and this is what we're selling right now down the line though because i'm taking bare shins so i need this thick padding right <laughs> but for sparring they can get away with a little less so it'll probably be more like the previous model attached to a shin guard and now that's just the training model you know yeah, that, that makes sense because they are going to have their own shin guard on anyway right exactly yeah. right yeah. so that's where we're going with it you know i like it too the way that you you have the pad in the upper side because for mma sparring you know obviously take some of the bulkiness out if they're going to get on the ground and move around a little bit it doesn't hinder you as much right exactly yeah it would be too much for mma sparring to have you know a four inch pad sticking out the side of your leg is kind of getting in the way especially for grappling and stuff right yeah so uh you know that little bit extra on the back is not going to really affect your grappling and it's still going to absorb enough of the shot especially if the other guys wearing shin guards where it'll definitely help, you know, especially for guys that are fighting. Like last thing they want is being a couple of weeks out of their fight, taking major calf kicks and they're not walking for a week. Cause you hear those stories all the time now with these calf kicks. So it's a different thing, man. I mean, you, I, you remember, you were at all my fights back in the day, right? Yeah. Like what, what, what made me a low kicker was that Barbosa fight. 
you know, he kicked the fuck out of my leg. And I was like, okay, I got to learn that shit. You know, and that was before calf kicks. God, God forbid he was calf kicking me. That would have been a whole different story. But that's when I experienced low kicks on a world-class level. And I was like, okay, this is a real thing, you know? And uh, that just always made me an advocate of low kicks. And then once the calf kick came around, it was just game changer, you know? Dude, those low kicks. I mean, uh, between you, Fokker, and Gabbard, I remember yeah. like one week, all you guys were catching me with them. And it's just, I don't think people don't realize unless you've taken a bunch of them. And I, I tell people all the time, we're like, oh, getting hit in the face. I'm like, I'd rather get hit in the face times than take two <laughs> to three kicks. Because by, by the end of the day, like maybe you go to wash your face the next day and you're like, oh, I forgot I got him a little sore. But that leg is only going to get worse for the next few days. And right, exactly, like right. You said, like when people, like I remember with a, one of the, the last sparring sessions I had before one of my first MMA fights and Fokker and Gabbard just two days in a row just beat the shit out of my legs. And I was on the road and I was supposed to be like duct taping floors. And like, I was just getting started with my real estate coaching stuff. I couldn't do it. I, I couldn't bend down oh, you're barely I couldn't bend my leg on the plane for weeks, you know? And then just right. like, like you said, you know, and then you got the coaches that have to take those kicks all day. And that's right. the livelihood. If they can't do privates because they can't take kicks, that's money out of their pocket. And for exactly. the fighters that are going in, man, like, I think about that every fight now when they're the guys are going in there and they're taking a couple of kicks and I'm like, yeah, but how many did they take in training? Like, cause it, it takes a long time for those deep bruises to heal. And the average person. Oh, sure. And you know, your casual fans watching, oh, he's taking a couple of low kicks. Those guys are used to taking low kicks. The average guy, you hit him with two, two or three of those tops. I mean, you're sitting them down. Guys aren't, aren't walking at that. And then besides the, the pain, I mean, it's taking away, you can't put the weight on the front leg to sit down on your punches. It's taking away your shots for your wrestling. It's just, it's so debilitating, and that, that's bad enough on, on the thigh, you know, on the quad. But, like, once you start hitting the calf, and now, you know, that, that calf kick is just a safer kick because they can throw it at range. They're not as – they don't got to completely turn the hip over, so they're not fully committed. You know, they can hit you where you can't – where you can't land your hands. They hit you from the outside. It's a lot – they can't reach down and grab it and catch it, right? So it's just – it's so much more effective. And you're hitting such a smaller muscle – and that 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 nerve that you're hitting in the back is really just debilitating. You see it over and over again. A couple calf kicks, the guys sitting down. You know. Yeah. So so and these are guys that are used to taking them. So there's just, <laughs> there's really no conditioning for that. You know. Who who's your main like avatar right now for what you're going after? Are you going more more after coaches or more after fighters? Oh, as far as the the calf guard itself, yeah, we're going yeah. after. It's right right now. It's more on the coach. It still works for fighters because they can still drill with the calf guard. Uh, once we develop uh or further develop the the training model that's not for coaches it's going to be for everybody you know right now it's it is it's primarily for coaches but it could still be used for anybody just for drilling you know but uh you know right now the focus is coaches but we're eventually going to branch out into the bigger market and, and just be for everybody you know are you looking in what's the next thing to expand the marketing are you going to start to look to sponsor fighters i know you have connections everywhere between you know the the kickboxing and the mma resume you have yeah, we're, we're definitely going to get into that eventually. Right now, it's just, I mean, right now we're, we're finally getting the manufacturing right. And the little tweaks that we're making along the way, we want to make the product perfect. It, it's, it's great right now. And the, the feedback has been nothing but positive. So I'm really happy with that. But, you know, this is the first one and we're only going to improve from here. So it's really improving it, getting the manufacturing right, get the manufacturing aspect right, making it perfect. And then from there, you know, build, and building our brand, obviously, and then from there, branching out, you know. If you have been kicking yourself that you didn't start investing in real estate sooner, whether you're beginner, intermediate, or advanced, 
any way you're looking to get it on a residential, commercial, land development, wholesaling, fix and flips, whatever it is, let's find a way to get you involved in some projects, get you some properties, whether you want to sell some properties to me, whether you want to buy some properties from me, whether residential, fix and flip, cash flow, multifamily, whatever it is you're looking for, let's figure out a way to get you involved or find a way for us to partner up on some deals. Go to www.nicknicknick.com, go on the consultation tab and figure out how to schedule an appointment to talk about where you fit in if you are not sure, or you can just reach out to me on any of my social media channels. If you go on www.nicknicknick.com slash links, you will see all the different ways to connect with me and figure out how we can start to work together, make it happen. Everybody that invests in real estate always just says they wish they did it sooner. Best time to start is today. Nice, man. Yeah, my, my buddy, Mark Evans, he always tells people when they're, they're going around the room and giving ideas whenever we go to like business masterminds and stuff. And then right. he always throws back like, like, go out and do it, go out and do it. And then the, the analogy he always gives, he goes, look, somebody's making a million dollars a year selling dildos on Amazon. Like, what is right. your excuse for not doing Facts, it? Right? You know? yeah. and, and it's just, it, it's one of those things. So, but I love the, and, and I always wonder, because I want to know, did being an athlete teach you more about how to just go after stuff when you have ideas and take action on it? Or is that part of the personality you had that made you start to look into doing things like becoming a martial artist and an athlete? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a little bit of both for sure, man. I mean, I've always had that uh, entrepreneur mindset, you know, even even when I was fighting, I was, you know, I kind of took away from the fight game a little bit too because I was focused on selling tickets and, and making money, you know, because um, so I, I was I always had a good business mindset. I mean, I'm a business major. I have a business degree. Not that I really ever used it for anything, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm still coaching over here. But, but I always had that business mindset. I'm always trying to improve on things and make things better. And that's from products to to techniques and, and, and uh, you know, I'm uh, evolved. Like you got to evolve. It's such a brand new sport as the game evolves and the techniques evolve. The equipment also has to evolve, you know? How important has believing in yourself been for starting out this product? Cause I know like a, a big fear of people that are, are going after ideas is like one, I, I think the excuse of somebody already did it is just a, something to lean on. So you don't have to actually go after it. But then the next thing becomes like, if I commit to this and actually do this, People might judge me. People might criticize me. Like the insecurities of, of the self-doubt or the public perception on stuff. But I would imagine going after putting a product out that you know has that value after dealing with what you've dealt with, with putting it all on the line in a cage or a ring in front of everybody on TV, right. like, it probably doesn't add up on the scale of what that is. But how much of a, a thing was that when you were going into business? As far as, sorry, as, as far as what? just having the self-doubt or the, or the self-belief in yourself that you've gotten through fighting and through martial arts to bring into the business world. Oh, sure. Yeah, definitely transfers. But like th this, this idea, I just thought once that clicked and I came up with it, I just thought there's no way this thing could fail, you know, cause I, I knew how much it was needed. I mean, myself as a coach and, and, and working with other fighters and coaches and seeing the same problem over and over again now for the last couple of years at this point with no, uh, with no real solution, you know, finally came up with it and I, I have to go after it, you know? I mean, I, I, I can't say it enough, but I feel like if you didn't have that already in place, ready to go like that, somebody else at that point would have jumped in because it's like, okay, now there's people, everybody's looking about the calf kick, everybody's t talking about the calf kick, coming up to the next fight. Like, I feel like, you know, McGregor's going to be calling you for a fucking calf protector now. And that, or I mean, allegedly, allegedly called the fight off today, but we'll see how that actually I happened. heard about that. I heard about that. Yeah, <laughs> who knows? 
Yeah. That could just be selling the fight even more than it already is, you know? Yeah, exactly. I wouldn't be surprised with him, but you know, you're, you're a great example of it. One of the things I love about talking to athletes is I I sound like, again, a broken record on this, but I love talking to my friends that are fighters because I always say whatever they want to put their mind to that same belief and that same work ethic and that same drive and that same discipline is going to make them successful in whatever they do. Absolutely. It's harder than dragging yourself to the gym when you don't want to train and getting beat up and having come back the next day. So you especially, I think, had a lot of that self-doubt, whether you knew it or not, because I remember when we first started and you came down and I, I think you had maybe just gotten your blue belt. And I think we were, dude, we were training. It was at Longo's on Herrick's Road still when he had oh, like the primer and the beams like in the middle of that, like one. Yeah, so we're talking 2007, six, seven. Yeah, yeah, probably around 2006. Yeah. And I remember you started telling people like, I think like Rich Green, like if we started running the names of the people, like there was like the crazy koala, guys that never came back to Sarah's after six months. Crazy koala, yeah. Remember that you were telling everybody like, I'm going to be a fighter. I'm, I'm going to fight. I'm going to fight. And the, oh, he's not going to, you know, and you were like, yeah, I remember it wasn't even like a thing. You were just telling like, no, I'm going to go out. I'm going to have a fight. I'm going to win. And then I'm going to go pro. And like, mm-hmm. you didn't even bat an eye when people were like, ah, you know, but you know, now that I've seen it for 15 years, every new guy that comes in that wants to fight the old guy, oh no, he wants like, well, no, you wouldn't. But that doesn't mean that he's right, right, right. You know? And right. so I just I love that you said you were going to do it, and it was never even a question. It, like the first time I heard you say it, I was like, that guy believes that that's exactly what it's going to do, and that's exactly what you did. So has that been something that's just been ingrained with you? Did you get that from your family? Like, where does that come from? Yeah, I don't know, man. I, I just feel like when it comes to fighting, it's just uh, you know I feel like once you could put yourself through something like that, you know, especially being on the downside of it, I mean. After that, there's nothing like there's nothing better than a win in the world, and there's nothing in the world worse than a loss, you know. And if you could deal with that and come back for something like that, you could you could do anything. And this is and, and fighting something that you really have to put physically and mentally and emotionally, you just put everything into. So if you could compete at a high level in this sport, I really believe that you could do anything that you put your mind to, you know. And that, that's the mentality that I have, you know. And I haven't fought in almost a decade at this point, but I I still have that same mindset, and I've been able to. You know, thank God I've been able to carry that into uh, into business. Are you seeing now that you're, uh, I guess, a little bit more of a veteran for being around the gyms and seeing the younger guys coming up? Hey, we're the old guys now, man. Yeah, it's, it is weird. It's weird. Like, <laughs> right? I, I was saying, I think, I, I don't remember if I was talking a long ago about it or it was during the podcast, but I remember like Garino and guys coming in and, and Longo would be like, oh, box with him. I'm like, I don't know. And he'd be like, what do you mean you don't know him? He's like, I never seen him before. He's like, oh, all right. And now I walk in. And like people are like, oh, my buddy trains at Longo's. Do you know him? And I'm like, no, because nope. I'm now I'm the old guy. They walk in like, what do you mean? Right, right. Who's that guy? Yeah, like yeah, I yeah. and I sound like the liar now because like my buddy's at Longo's all the time. He doesn't know you. Are you sure you've ever trained? And I'm like, yeah, you're right. I, I don't know him. I've never been there. Like so, it's it, all the breed of guys now, man. It's different. Yeah, it's different, you know. It is weird, but like I think when when we were coming up, and everything's kind of new, and I, even just the sport being young, there's there's things that you know are working, but I think there's always that like, well. What else is out there? What are other people doing? Like, are we doing the right thing? But now after seeing like what everybody's doing all over social media and now having multiple champs that you've been training partners of from the beginning, are you starting to see that like you were like at that top of the heap, you were doing all the right things and like really seeing like what it takes to be a champion and be the best at, at just anything and knowing that, I mean, like you were, you were right there in the mix with all that stuff, doing all the right things. Right. Yeah, I was right there, man. It was, it was one of those things. And it, there wasn't there wasn't too many guys in the game at that time, too. So, you know, I feel like not not taken away from from my skills, but the, the talent pool was much less, you know, so me with a little bit of uh, Kung Fu background and some street fights, 
you know, I had some heavy hands. I could do all right, you know, and I, it got me so far. Now you were good, man. You always said strong kicks, strong hands, good jujitsu, good triangles, good wrestling, good stamina. Like you, you were a lot to deal with, man. It was right, at, the, at the time. At the time, I was all right, you know. Yeah, <laughs> never. <fun. laughs> like I said, it's a young man's game, though, you know. So coming through now, what is it like being on the other side and taking more of the coaching role? Are you enjoying? You know, I see the, I'll give you a chance to plug your Instagram and stuff too, but you post great stuff on there, man. Good combos. I'm always watching the techniques. You do a great job Thanks, explaining man. it. And some of these guys are freaking lightning, man. Some of the, the combos and stuff they're throwing are sick. Yeah. Yeah, man. I, uh, you know, I hit, I hit a little bit of a, a plateau at one point training wise, because I really wasn't training that much myself. I was more coaching and doing less training, but the less you're learning, you know, that also transfers to your you're coaching, you know, like you never stop coding, coaching or fighting. You never stop learning, you know? So it was then back in 2016 where I went out to train with, uh, with Dwayne Ludwig at, uh, at headquarters in Colorado. And I, I fell in love with the system, you know, and that's when I really implemented Dwayne's uh, bank Muay Thai system into, into my training, you know? And then from there, I went to TriStar, took a class with GSP. I did a little training <laughs> with those guys over there. Uh, my buddy, Frank, Frank boxing coach on Instagram, if you know who that is, He's in Montreal also. I did some training with him. I had him down here for a seminar. Oh. Uh, went out to King's MMA. Just, you know how it is. You're always mixing it up at different gyms, you know? So I was always just, I started traveling to different places, going to the best coaches and just experiencing that, that level, you know, and, and picking up different techniques and different, different training methods everywhere I went and just implemented that into my system, you know? So I don't really like to say I have a style because it consists of everybody's style. You know, and I just try to take the best of it and what works for my guys and really implement that. I love that, man. I do the same thing with jujitsu, you know. And what has the experience been like going to these different gyms and, and being welcomed? Because I I don't know, it, it's it was a little different. And I haven't done it as much as far as going to different gyms and, and sparring as much as just going and, and rolling. But I remember when going, I was going to different boxing gyms. I was getting ready for the Golden Gloves or whatever. They weren't as inviting when you were coming in to, to do striking sparring. You know, right. like, when you're coming at the spot, fight. now you're the guy coming from another gym and now it's a fight, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. so that's always different. Now, so I'll, I, would, I would always go in with a, a student mindset. And then listen, if sparring happens, you're not going to walk away, but that's not what I'm coming there for. You know, like I remember I did a, I did a sparring class at, at TriStar. You know, I was a guy coming from, from New York, coming into their gym. Like, you know, they're not going to really hold not back. Only that, you're, you're coming from a, a Matt Sarah guy to the GSP place. Right, right. Exactly. Right. <laughs> Surprisingly, George, uh, they invited me to George's class the next day. So it actually worked out all right, you know? It's awesome. Yeah. I think that's all buried under the rug, you know, 15 years later. I think it's all right <laughs> now. Right? Well, he's actually, I just talked to Matt today, and uh, GSP's on his podcast today. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, so it'll be fun. Yeah, I think they, they squashed whatever they had probably over a decade ago. Oh, yeah, it was I'm never sure no real beef with that. Yeah. You know? Yeah, they, they, both, yeah. they both got it in there, but, you know. Hey. Hey, remember that last week was 14 years from... The title, man. That was crazy. Anniversary. Yeah, I was saying, man, yeah, Matt, Matt this third fight, man. I'm still putting my money on Matt for fight number three. 100%. <laughs> <laughs> so what are you taking this idea and going into business? Like, what are some things that you learned that you didn't expect ahead of time when you take something that's an idea and you actually put it into a business? Because, you know, I, I remember like jumping into real estate and the stuff that I was learning on books versus the things that were actually like practical. It was like, man, I wish somebody would have, I just never even thought about these things. Right. It's what it is, man. Like I said, I have a business degree. But I really didn't learn nothing in that. I did, I did all this college and I'm a business major, but you learn business doing business and you learn on the job, you know? So whatever they're going to teach you in a book, yeah, you need to know that. But if you're not doing it, you're not learning it, you know? Yeah. So, I, think, I mean, it's almost like jujitsu, you know, like 
if you just watch those videos, you're not going to learn anything. But if you have an extensive experience in it already, you can take some things from that. But like nothing's going to take place of like the actual life experience. Right, exactly. Business, you do business, right? You want to learn how to fight? You got to fight. You want to do jiu-jitsu? You got to roll jiu-jitsu. There's no, there's no shortcuts. I, th- I feel like everybody's looking for a shortcut, but there's no, there's no way, there's no other way to do it, but actually getting your hands on it and, and doing it yourself, you know? Thousand percent agree, man. hundred percent. Um, yeah. What's going on with our good friend? I want to give a shout out to Mr. Dave Ferrante. Oh, Ferrante's awesome, man. I don't see him that much, that, you know, these days, but uh, we, we talk, we talk on a regular basis. He's doing good, man. Nice. You know, you're a big, yeah. big fan of him. And I see you got a uh, big Mike Galloway back in the mix. Yeah, he's in the, he's in and out, but yeah, usually, you know, he's he's <laughs> Mike's good. He's got a, he's got his kids training now at Sarah's. Oh, that's awesome. He's got his daughter Mia and his son Mike. Yeah, they're both training now. That guy's so, so if, they, if they're anything like him, they're gonna be a problem, these kids, man. I mean, he's he's the most underrated. I always call them like the secret weapon at Longos, you know. <laughs> it's funny because uh, I, I love the the guy is so strong. So strong. Oh my god. And like people would be like, oh, you're gonna go train today with cleaning lady Mike. <laughs> yeah, 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 right, right. You it's know, like, he's unassuming, you know, and he comes yeah. to coming to the gym with his blue belt that he's had for 10 years. Yeah, yeah. Like, Who's this guy? And then he's just squashing everybody, you know? Yeah, I, I can't. But imagine. he never changed, man. Mike's Mike's my boy, man. He's just you know, humble guy and you know, always just a good dude. It's it's good, man. But just I, a I, savage, just the, I mean, just a different level. Like you could put him in there with anybody, you know. Yeah, yeah. In fact, Mike's that guy, like. You put him under the lights, you know, in a big show, he might like not, but you put him in a closet with anybody in the world and they're not coming out, you know, <laughs> he's just a killer. I feel like that with, uh, after I've, I watched Jurassi man, so many times for everybody back in the day, like me and him would do like five rounds and then he'd like go do the Versa climber. You'd be walking out the door and Weidman and Costas would come in. They'd be like, you want to do five rounds? And he'd be like, all right. And he just get yeah. it. Into, you know, I'm like, man, like that type of guy. And I, I remember one time I was watching, uh, I was like on the treadmill and I was watching him and Weidman spar and it was after me and him had like already worked out for like an hour or something like that. Right. And I remember Longo just standing next to me and he's like, I don't know what's is more impressive here. The beating, the beating Weidman's given or the beating Jirasi's taken. <laughs> yeah, right. The guy just doesn't <laughs> stop, man. He just like, I think that, and that, that's what I think is interesting too, is like for every big name that's out there, like there's these guys in the gym that, that people might not know that are just like the Mike Galways and the Nabis and the fucking Dan Jirasi's of the world that are just, t- you're going to have to literally like hit them with the fucking concrete block. Like, right, just because you're not seeing them on TV doesn't mean they're not killers, man. They exactly. just do something else. And they're the nicest people. And some idiot's going to go like, I've seen people at, at, at Minnesota's start like wising off to Jurassic, And I'm like, he's nice, but don't like, at some point he's not going to be. And you don't want to be. Right, and that guy was KOing everybody. I mean, he had that left hand, right? It was just, yeah. holy shit. Yeah. I think his nickname was like the face smasher or the brain smasher. I remember I was talking to Al Jordan. Shout out to Al Jordan. I'm Al Jordan, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's another <laughs> one, man. But I remember he was like, do you know how hard you have to hit to be called a face smasher at Ray Longo's gym? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, awesome. It's funny stuff, man. So what, what do you got going on now? Talk about um, like where, you, where, you, where are you training people? How can they work with you? What kind of stuff are you offering? Yeah, so uh, I'm out of, I do private training out of uh, CrossFit Full Motion in Syosset. Um, we just, I just rent space out of there. My, uh, my friend Dom Curatola is the owner over there. He's an all-American wrestler, savage, 48 years old. He still feels like he's 20. I mean, it's just freak athlete and uh, just really good dude you know so i've been over there for probably the last six years 
I do most of my private training out of there. At one time, uh, up until about a year ago, I was at Long Island MMA. Oh, cool. I was teaching class over there, and uh, I got my guy, Hoyster Velasquez, who I'm training, who still trains out of there, but he does his private work with me. And he's having his debut, hopefully June 5th, we're looking at right now. Super talented kid, 20 years old, hungry, super talented, switch hitter, good everywhere, and just it's really going to be something special, I think, this kid. Nice, man. It, it was really cool yeah. to see you, uh, see you in the cage after the UFC, after they got that win. You had your Reebok gear on. How's it going to be there, man? That's good <laughs> stuff. What, what's yeah, your good opinion right now on the, on the state of MMA and just things in general, not even necessarily UFC, but just, you know, we, you got, you know, they're, they're selling out their first show again next week with Weidman's on with the rematch with Uriah Hall. And then you got, you know, Bellator's doing all this weird stuff and guys are getting cut that are winning. Like, what's your take on just everything that's happening right now in the MMA world? You know, just, just in the fight world in general now, man, it's like, you know, rankings don't really matter as much as they used to. You see in this, uh, what do we got, Ben Askren and fucking <laughs> Logan or Jake Paul or whatever, right, that's coming up. They just announced another one with uh, a football guy. I don't know. There's just all these celebrity fights are getting more attention than actual fights that count, you know, and it's more about the show and, and the, the draw that these celebrities have. That they have, obviously have a bigger draw than most fighters. So they'd rather match up celebrities with a fighter or celebrity versus celebrity. And that counts more than the actual, the, your actual rankings or, or the fight. So it's, it's just, it's, it's changed, you know? I mean, the best are always going to be recognized, but as much as guys need to be fighters, they also need to be entertainers. Yeah. So if you're, if you're coming out, John pitching everybody and you're 20, you know, nobody, nobody's going to want to see that, you know? Mm-hmm. But if you're excited and you could talk and maybe even have a couple of losses on your record, if you could talk and you could fill seats, you know, you're the next star, you know? It's interesting. There's some guys that I didn't like that much as fighters. And then since they've retired or gone to other places, they're growing on me. Like I was never a big guy on Bisping. And now I, I, I just grew up. I like him now. You know, yeah, I, I like Bisping funny. more after retirement. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Post-retirement Bisping was yeah. awesome. I didn't like fighter. But Askren's another guy that I, I just wasn't a team Askren guy. And over the last like six weeks or so, I'm like, this is, I, I definitely hang out and have a beer with this dude. Like, I think he's, yeah, like he's following kinda, everybody. Man. So you kind of got to love him. You know, he's <laughs> definitely, he, he plays that, he plays that role, man. It's great. Yeah. And I, and I love guys like that, that have been around the sport just between wrestling and fighting forever. And then I was just reading like, you know, cause they post all this crap about it. These guys are getting paid all this money over one. And then I read that his like last contract was like 50 to show 50 to win. So it's good to see like as ridiculous as it is that you have like an Olympian wrestler and like, top of the heap MMA champion fighting a YouTuber, he's probably going to make more money on that fight than he did his whole freaking MMA career. His whole career. career, right. You know, you can't blame him for taking that fight, right? No, I mean, I hope, I hope he wins it. It's going to look bad for MMA if he gets KO'd <laughs> by Logan. But, but we almost know. have that crutch of like, well, he wasn't really, a, I mean, his his striking wasn't known as, the, you know what I mean? Like it's Right, so you can always fall back on that, right? Oh, <laughs> it was an MMA fight, you know, you would take him down. Wrestler, right. 10 punches his whole career is not, you know. Right. But look at a guy like Aspen. Like, you know, he went, I don't know, undefeated for how long without anybody even talking about the guy because he never said much. Yeah. You know, then he became this character and now he's fighting for more money than he's ever seen in his life, right? He got like, even back in the day, Chael Sonnen, right? He wasn't talking <laughs> nothing. WEC, they, all of a sudden he's fighting Anderson Silva and he's, you know, great personality, right? So like the guys that can fight and put on a show, you know, and really, and it's it's rare to see that, but those guys that can do that, those are the guys that are the real stars now. You know? Yeah, I think the authenticity has to be there too because you see the guys that are trying to just become the next Conor McGregor. Like Bisping, 
I think like you didn't like him at first for who he was. And then you start to like him because that's who he is. And it's like the same thing. Like Askren didn't go the exact same way of playing the heel. He kind of did it as like a, a bit of a dork too. You know, right. like when Colby does it, I just don't buy it. You know what I mean? Like it's. So right, you know, it's too much of a facade. It's just, it's not, it's not, it's totally fake. Yeah, yeah, guys, are, some guys overdo it. But you know what? He still gets attention. You know, he puts on a MAGA hat and he's got these bitches with him and he's, like, he's still going to get attention. Good or bad attention, people are watching to see him. Whether whether they want to see you to win or see you to lose, they're still paying to see you, right? So, yeah, you know, however they want to play it. But yeah, some guys are definitely doing it. And you could tell the guys that are just really, really pushing it and really trying too hard. And it's just not authentic and it doesn't sell, you know? Yeah. What but else? the guys that have that gift and actually use it, those guys are really gonna get yeah, to the, the next level. Who's the uh, who's the bantamweight that that everybody loves right now? I forget. Uh, O'Malley. O'Malley. O'Malley style, you know. He's another one. You know, he's got the skills to back it up, but it's everything else that really makes him a draw too. You know. Yeah. The only thing that like really bothers me about guys like that, and this this goes for business and fighting, like when people can't learn or or the way that they handle a loss, and and I did kind of like that, like. I almost became more of a fan of McGregor the way he handles his losses than the way he did his wins. Like, cause for the most part, like he had some comments he retracted after, but usually like the night of he owns him pretty well. And to me, like that says a lot about somebody who's going to grow from it, you know, being right. that he had some big wins and some big losses too. What do you think about the importance of like handling those the right way? I mean, like, like, like a guy like Connor, right. And, and he's humble in victory and defeat, right. Maybe not humble in, and victory but definitely <laughs> you, like, you like to see it in defeat at least right so that definitely counts and that's gonna that's gonna determine how they're gonna be in their next fight and what kind of sales they're gonna make in the next fight too right yeah, yeah so uh i mean some guys just know how to do it well and it's the guys that just not are doing it naturally that you know are, are really getting the attention you know because you know it's you know it's authentic who's who are you some, of, some of your favorite guys to watch now i mean there's so many guys right now man it's really <laughs> You know, I, I, lo I love the, like I said, I'm, a, I'm a, a bang Muay Thai advocate, you know, so I love that that TJ uh, Sandhagen fight coming up. Whenever that happens, that's going to be exciting, you know. Um, I mean, style bender obviously is phenomenal. Uh, I think, on, on like, striking-wise, I don't think there's anybody really at that level. I mean, obviously, at 205, you're talking a 20-pound jump. is a different, you, you can't really take away from him on that fight, right? He came in probably underweight for a fight where a guy cut down and probably came in at, 215 and stop on the scale with a cheeseburger, you know, probably coming in 30 pounds light on fight night. Right. So you can't really take that away. There's just so many guys right now. It's just hard to even like the roster is 600 guys on the roster. It's nuts. You know, there's probably five superstars, but there's probably 50 guys that people should be talking about, but they don't really get the attention because it's just, it's just over. I don't know if it's oversaturated, but there's a fight every week, you know, between Bellator and UFC, there's a fight every week. It's just, there's, there's 12 fights on each card. It's yeah. just too much to keep up with, you know? And I've been watching fights at this point for 25 years. It's just, you know, it, it's hard to, uh, not that I'm not interested, but it's just hard to keep up. It know? is, yeah, I'm finding the same thing. Like, I, I, I like the early ones this week because it was like- Oh, three in the afternoon, perfect. the Peloton, throw, throw the iPad on and watch the brilliance on ABC. But right. you see people on there, you're like, man, like some of these young guys, even the Coleman, I was like, why is this the Coleman? I don't know either one of those guys very well. And that fight was great, man. Oh man, what was the Coleman this week? Main uh, event was Holland. Coleman was uh, was the oh Sadiq, yep, yep, yep. Yeah, he took that kick to the head. You thought he was gonna go out, and then he like a little wobbly. Yeah, yeah. Man. oh, he's another person now. He won, he won last weekend. The guy with the beard that got that win, really funny character after the fight. He challenged, he challenged oh, one of the 
Julia Marquez. Bowl or something. Yeah, love Cuban that guy. missile crisis. Yeah. Right? That that that's authentic, you know. And he's not playing the heel or being one of these. That's just him, and he's he's a clown, and, and it sells, you know. I loved uh, the whole thing he did with Miley Cyrus past there, like the week before. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and he, dude, he's a he's a James Krause guy. I'm huge fan of James Krause. So the kids look great against, dude. The the freaking ref, like I'm I'm yelling at the TV, like he's unconscious, like pull him off, pull. Like when he put that choke on, the arm was just limp, and it was oh, like, oh, the guy once that arm goes limp, like you're a ref right on top of that, you can't cool. see that. Like, I, I know. Every second, like it's uh, just that extra second. It's better than an extra second of more strikes coming down for sure. Yeah, he was taking a but, bunch of strikes prior to that too, though. Sure, right, right. It was the strikes that led to that, right? I mean, it's, it's interesting because he he dropped the weight class for that too, and I don't think he's ever gotten knocked out at two hundred five, right? Because I don't that think so. I think you're right about that, right? Yeah, Such a weird game, man. The MMA math never adds up, you know. You never know, man. Yeah, there there is no math. You never know. Doesn't man. matter. Yeah, it's crazy. Ever wanted to play the drums, or do you want to get your kids some drum lessons to burn some of that energy while they are all locked up? Take advantage of a free drum lesson with one of the tri-state area's most respected drummers, Dan Lamagna. Dan Lamagna has played in such bands as Crown of Thorns, Suicide City, Biohazard, The Real McKenzies, Sworn Enemy. The Walls of Jericho. He has played all over the world and he is also endorsed by such companies as DW, Vader, and Sabian. Dan has taught tons of people from all different age groups and all different music styles. He can teach adults, kids, advanced, beginner, any types of styles from metal, all different types of percussion, whatever style you want. Get a free drum lesson today from Dan. All you need to do is text the word drummer, D-R-U-M-M-E-R, to 833-632- 0585. Again, text the word drummer, D-R-U-M-M-E-R, to the number 833-632-0585 for your free online drum lesson. Well, my dude, like, I know you got a lot of stuff to do, but I like to call this the victory lap and kind of wrap things up with a few final questions here before I let you go. Yeah. First question being, do you have a favorite quote? I have a favorite quote. Everybody's a philosopher now on Instagram, so you got a favorite <laughs> quote. There's a lot of good ones, too, but... Are, are you going to quote John Manimal Benaduce right off of his Instagram? <laughs> What's, what's his thing off Instagram? I don't know. But I, got, he's, he's, I follow his page, but he's got all kinds of shit on yeah, there. He's right? got all yeah. kinds of shit, but he's actually yeah. like, he's very smart. And he always posts like historical, well, not always, but sometimes he'll post like some historical shit. And it's yeah. usually pretty good. Yeah, and he, he's a smart guy. He knows the shit. Yeah. Now, I got to go with, uh, it's too long to recite it, but Men in the Arena by Teddy Roosevelt. Beautiful, man. That's a great one. Great. Such a cliche for, for like a fight one, you know, but like, I think the thing with fight quotes is that fighting's so pure that it applies to, everything in life you know dude i mean same thing with uh i think business and real estate i used to end all of my like three-day trainings like i had to think for the end of each day and it was like a three-day and that was right. like, always the thing at the end of like you guys that are going to sit here and let the other people walk out of the room we're going to go do something and point and laugh at them like this is for you because like right it's going to go and try and do something with their life exactly they're, they're the ones doing it you know it's easy to point at the guy yeah you know and yeah. everybody that's pointing, they, they, these, these are the guys that haven't done nothing. And they're, they're seeing the final result. You mm -hmm. know, they're not seeing all the work that goes into it. And it's easy to sit on the bench and sit on sit at the bar, be the Sunday quarterback, you know, be the philosopher on Instagram, you know, be the fighter on the couch. You know, it's, it's all, you know. Yeah. yeah. It's no, all the I, same. I had a few business partners in the past. And, like, what they would do is they would never make decisions. They would, like, always kind of default it to me. And then if I made one that worked out, it was like, look what we did. And if right, was, they took the credit, they were like, 
you know, you, you shouldn't have done that. This is what you should have done. And I was of like, course. you have your chance to speak. Like, you know, you never know right and wrong. But uh, I don't know if you know who Sean Whalen is, but he's like a, no. I guess like a big inst- influencer on, on Instagram, whatever. Okay. Um, and I, he came up and he spoke one day at like one of these real estate events I was at. And he was really like, like direct and pointing everybody's face and kind of yelling. But he was like, look, I, he's like, I trained, I have five professional fights. And then at the end, like he talked about his business losses and, and his just losses in general. And one of the things he rattled off it was like none of my friends that I train with or none of my friends who have ever fought or it's like nobody that's ever actually competed and fought is ever right. going to make fun of me for losing a fight. And it was like, that's, right. that's fucking right, true. Because I've been there, of course, you know? Yeah. yeah, they know what it takes to get in there, man. So yeah, people, people see that. the couple minutes in the case. They don't see the, the eight weeks leading up to it and all the, the hardship and everything else, you know? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, Matt just said to somebody, I forget who it was, and they were talking about like, oh, yeah, like what's this person care I think oh, talk- was it Mark. Le- oh, I think you're talking about Mark. Mark. Uh, Mark Lemon. No, no, no. Yeah. That was funny too with the swim thing. No, yeah, Matt, yeah. Matt, Matt was on uh, the tramp and the and the champ with Frankie Edgar and the dude from uh, Jersey Shore. And okay. They were, like, people were giving Frankie shit about getting knocked out by Sandhagen, and they were like, "Oh, dude, you made you know six hundred thousand dollars for fighting for thirty seconds." And he's like, "Yeah, what about like the three months leading up to that?" He's like, "What'd you eat for Christmas, dickhead?" Because he was eating chicken and broccoli. You know what I mean? Like- <laughs> right, right. Exactly. Perfect. <laughs> Right. What advice would you give to fighters starting out right now? All right. So a couple, a couple things. So technical advice and general advice, uh, or strategic advice, right? Get your wrestling right. I mean, that's a theme. If you don't know by now, if you're not wrestling in MMA, you're you're far behind. You know. I mean, you dictate where the fight goes. You want to keep it standing. You have the defense. You want to take them down. You got that option too. You know. And you always see you see wrestlers with lesser striking beat better strikers at striking because that rest, that wrestling is another threat, you know, like uh, Khabib and, and Connor is a perfect example of that, right? The level change overhand right drops Connor. A boxing match probably wouldn't happen, but that wrestling is such a threat that it's going to open up your striking, you know? So, and, and the thing with Sarah Longo, right? You got Aljamain, you got, you got Iquinta, you got Weidman, you know, you know, the guys that make it usually have some kind of wrestling background. So that that's first, like get your wrestling right, you know? Uh, as far as general advice, just make sure. I mean, and these are all things that I'm, I'm I'm speaking from experience. I mean, my wrestling was was shit, and I fucking paid for it. You know, um, you know, jujitsu. You know, st- stopped me from getting finished on the ground, but I was still on my back a lot of times. You know, uh, general advice: make sure you're doing it for the right reason. You know, a lot of guys just want to fight because it's it's cool to fight, and you know they think uh, again, like talking about these these guys on on at the bar on the bench. They're seeing the final result. They don't. They don't see what's going into it, you know. And if you if you're fighting just to fight, I mean, you're you're in the wrong business. I mean, there's there's 600 guys in the UFC. There's probably six guys that are stars, and the rest of them are you know interchangeable, right? And really hardly making a living. I mean, you're talking it's one percent of the guys of that fight that make it to the UFC, and probably one percent of the UFC that's that makes it to that next level, right? So, like, just making it to the UFC is not enough. I mean, that's a mistake that I made. You know, when I, when I fought, I used to like to fight, obviously, is the reason why I fought. And, I, you know, I was hanging with some, some top-level guys, and I thought I could do this, you know. But I wasn't doing it because I thought I could be champion. I thought I could do it just, got, just because I thought I could make it to the UFC, make it to the UFC, get some fights, get a name, open up a school, and, and that was that, that's what I wanted to do. But that wasn't enough, you know. So if you don't truly believe that you're the best, you're in the wrong business, you know. I like that, man. I think that's great advice for, for almost anything in life. You know, I, I see with the podcast, man, you know, I talk to people, right. and like, oh, 
I'll get on a mic and talk. I mean, Rogan just got a like a hundred million dollar contract. It was like, right, well, there's hey. a literally a million podcasts, yeah. right? I mean, yeah, it's like, well, yeah, you're, you're probably next if you start today. Like, why wouldn't they just sign? You know, like you just right. like, you know, I mean, it's I don't even know what time. It's four o'clock. I've been sitting on my computer trying to get just like social media clips and editing and stuff done since like six this morning you know what i mean right, right. They, they don't see that they see the show at the end they see the final yeah. product they don't see everything yeah. else you know people do that with the same thing like oh i'm gonna be john jones i'm gonna be conor mcgregor i'm gonna be joe rogan i'm gonna be tim ferris it was like you know if you don't love doing it and you're not behind it you're not getting anything out of it like i love having conversations with people and I, that was kind of the way i started to look at it was like even if this never gets released you know me and you got a few hours to catch up and talk right it's awesome to me you know right. I mean? you're doing so, you're doing it because you love it and, and you know the this you know the the success comes follows that you know if, if you don't love it in the first place you're not you're not doing the right thing you know yeah, i love that man and that parlaying that same advice to business what, what advice would you give now that you got calf card going um and you got the business side of it and the fighting side of it what advice would you give to guys who are looking to start a business which i think is important because again like you said with with fighters man that they have to have a a plan B and having some sort of side business they're, they're building while they're fighting, I think right. is extremely smart. Right. I mean, you know, I hate talking about building your brand or whatever you want to say, but like, it's, it's true, you know, it's, especially with fighting, like fighting's not enough. Winning's not enough. You know, like you're, you're an entertainer first and you're a fighter second at this business. There's a lot of guys that are John Fitchin guys that got are undefeated records and, and, and nobody cares, you know? And it's got to be natural, right? So if you're just winning and you're boring and you do not have don't have much of a personality, like good luck with that. There's a lot of guys out there right now, you know. And uh, you got you got to stand out, you know. Same thing with business. I mean, if there's a million guys, you know, like the thing with Cathcart is that we're the only ones doing it, right? So we stand out, and it's it's in a unique idea, and I really believe in it. I, I think it's it's necessary, you know. It's eventually going to be standard, and that's why I stand by it. And I've been I've been grinding at it since since I came up with it, you know. And it's, it's belief like anything else. Too. If you don't truly believe in what you're doing, don't do it. You know, I love it, man. And I think exactly all the things you just said are what's going to transpire with calf guard is that it's going to get huge. It's going to be a big thing. And then there's going to be a bunch of people who go, man, I had that idea already. I did of that, course. You know, but you didn't do anything with it. You of know course. what I mean? That's I exactly like, how calf guard <laughs> started, man. Trevor Whitman came out with that, that, uh, the shin guard with the knee pad attachment. I said, yeah, I thought of that, but what happened? I didn't do nothing with it. Who's got it now, you know? <laughs> so when, when Cathcart came to mind, I'm like, all right, I'm doing this now because, the night, you know, I don't want to be that guy when somebody else comes out with it. Like, oh, I thought of that. Yeah, exactly. You know? man. So I love I'm the man. guy now, so. Yeah, you're following your own advice, though, man. You will never be the man in the re- in the arena or the, Absolutely. Uh, man on the sideline. Well, the man in the crowd. Right, right. Hey, that's, that's, <laughs> <laughs> you know where I'm going with it, man. Well, yeah, I love man. it, man. And, uh, you know, looking at even stuff this weekend, like you said, man, the, the wrestling – you look at guys like Tony Ferguson, dude, and you know, he had a, he had a rough outing there, you know, one minute you're on top, the next minute you're not, you know, and then it's, it's, what do you do? But uh, I don't know if you saw his post today, but it was like, I won't tap out. He's like three down, but you know, I'm coming back. And I mean, he's, yeah. he's crazy, but you know, like he is crazy, right? That's what he's <laughs> he's going to keep coming. You got to respect it. You yeah, know, whether or not I agree with it, that's what he does. That's what he loves. That's what he's going to do. And yeah, there's a reason that he got to that point. Like, you know, I hate the fight business. You're, you're as good as your last fight. So you're, yes. you're, your, your casuals are going to forget about Tony. Go, ah, he sucked. He lost his last three in a row. But remember when he won 12 in a row from, for six years before he got to that point? You know, people forget about that. And also, listen, man, Father Time always wins, right? I mean, he's 37 yeah. now. You know, a lot of mileage. I think that Gaethje fight probably took five years off his career. I mean, like, just to stand there and take those bombs, man. I mean, that's crazy. I mean, Burgos and Barbosa. I mean, Burgos was just coming forward and just taking fucking damage, man. And there's only so many of those fights 
in your career that you can have before it really starts taking a toll. And Tony might just be at that point where, you know, that's it. But you got to you gotta love him, man. The guy's not tapping. His arm's breaking. He's not tapping. He's getting that heel hook. His knee, ACL's, you know, exploding, and he's not tapping. I mean, you got to respect that, you know? Yeah, man. The, uh, the, the thing with him, like, he – I watched the – him and Gaethje, I think it was the him and Gaethje fight, and and they, there's a whole replay on Instagram, and it's yeah. just him getting hit, and it's one of the ones where there's no crowd, and it's like one of the few fights where I watch it, and I'm like, ah, like I'm. And you hear those shots, like gunshots, just over and over, man. Like, and even you know, I think, and I think that fight might have broke the record for most strikes landed and most strikes thrown, or something. Something was it that fight? I think it could have been, yeah. It was that, right up there, man. It was just war. Like you only have so many of those in your career, you know. It's like. Almost like that, uh, if you go back to JDS and Cain Velasquez, you know, after that, after Cain put five rounds on him like that, like JDS was never the same, you know? And you only have a few, like I said, you only have a few of those in your career, and that might have been the one for Tony, you know? Man, it's rough. Do you have a book, a book that you like that you recommend that or that helped you with a business or with your mindset? Uh, my first business, I mean, book that helped me with business, probably The Art of War. Oh, cool. My son, too, yeah. Nice, nice. <laughs> Favorite fighter? Ah oh, man, like I said, there's so many, man. I got none. I know it's it's tough too because you probably have a lot of them that are friends that you actually. I did that one intentionally put you in a bind because if you say one, somebody else is gonna get mad. Yeah, dude, so, I'm not your favorite fighter. I don't want to be that guy either. <laughs> now we'll say we'll say it's a tie between Trevor Whitman and Dwayne Ludwig for you. Done. Yeah, <laughs> nice man. So talk about how can people find you? Instagram, Kafgar, websites, um, all the ways to get in touch with you and find out more about the product. Yeah, so right now we are at CAFGuard on Instagram. And then we got uh, CAF-Guard.com to order CAFGuard. Uh, we're also going to be at CAFGuardMMA.com. But that website is not finalized yet. But right now it's CAF-Guard.com and Instagram uh, at CAFGuard. Cool, awesome. And obviously when this comes out, I'll put links so everybody can just look at the show notes and click away. But how can people awesome. help you get the word out? What are some things that we can do with value to, to make this worth your time? Yeah, I mean, listen, I, Catholic Kings ain't going nowhere, right? So as long as that exists and that that's going to also obviously be a, uh, you know, a game changer. It's, it's been a game changer and it's not going nowhere. So as long as calf kicks exist and they don't make it illegal, calf guard ain't going nowhere. And people need a way to train calf kicks. If you're not training your calf kicks and you don't have calf guard, you know, don't, you're going to be left behind. So uh, if, you're, if you're a fighter or, or a coach or just a practitioner, and you need to train your calf kicks like you should be, you need calf guard. I love it, man. It's, it literally sells itself. I think it's going to be flying off the shelves, man. I, I was very Thanks, excited man. to see the attention it was getting, man. I, I like seeing you excel. Obviously, I know you a long time, and it's good to see you kind of getting, uh, getting the, the just do that you've been working hard for, man. Thanks, man. Definitely. Any been, a long, been, a long, been a long time in this game now. Finally, something comes around, you know? Yeah, there you go, man. It's just about persistence, man. So, uh, yeah, any, any final thoughts before I let you go today? No, man, it was just good talking to you, Nick. Thanks for having me, bro. Anytime, man. So, again, I'll put all the show notes in here, but you definitely bring your A-game, man. I will pass this on as much as I can, and I think I have a couple guys that might be able to help you with uh, the marketing side, too. So let's link up on that. That would be awesome, man. Absolutely. And then hopefully early May, I get back in New York, and uh, me, you, Ferrante, and Cooper can meet up for some drinks, man. Let's go, man. We got it's been fucking three years overdue at this point. So I love it, man. We'll make- I'll be here for you, man. I'll be back. I'm glad you're doing well, bro. Great, great stuff with the podcast, with the real estate. I know you're killing it out there, man. So Thanks, man. I'm happy for you, bro. You're one of the OGs. Yeah, I love it, man. Tell everybody I said hello, and I'll see you soon. Absolutely, man. See you soon, bro.
Thanks, you know. Awesome, man. Well, I'll have this out uh, this week. Everybody check the show notes, find ways to get in touch with me, get in touch with Calf Guard. Uh, sure. Shout out to Matt, Sarah, and Ray Lago. Give them some give them some love for sure. And uh, Chris Weidman, hope you're, hope you're healing up well, Chris Weidman. Get that leg going. Absolutely. Good All talking, right, mate. Thanks, That's man. Soon, bro. Of course. Thank you. Have a good day.